We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup on Wednesday night against the Utah Jazz, the first of a four-game Western Conference road trip. The Knicks head to Utah, then obviously to Phoenix, and then the two L.A. teams. But first, they play this Utah Jazz team that comes in at 7-16 and on the season. We'll talk about them in just a little bit. Joining me for my interview today to get the Jazz perspective is friend of the pod, a returning guest who was last year to see if Donovan Mitchell was a good fit for New York and a potential trade partner with the Knicks and the Jazz, uh, and also part of the Knicks family, the son of Knicks executive or former executive Dave Checkets. Uh, Spence Checkets makes his return to the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, Spence uh, does a radio show on ESPN 700 in Utah. Uh, I really think you're going to not just enjoy this conversation, but uh, learn some things in this convo. There's some, I don't say there's inside info or a nugget or a port that is dropped, but we talk about the potential of a Lori marketing availability at the trade deadline and uh, Donovan Mitchell's future and watching it from the Utah perspective and where he thinks Mitchell could end up if he becomes available again. So uh, that'll come up in just a little bit. Uh, this Jazz team, like I said, they're 7-16 and 16 on the season. They're 26th in offensive rating. They're 26th in defensive rating, which is good for 27th in net rating in the NBA. They're 7 wins. So I'll first start with this. They're 6-5 and five at home, which if you're going to be a little worried about this game, it's that they're a better home team than they're a road team. By my goodness, are they a better home team than a road team? 6-5 and five at home, 1-11 and 11 on the road. There's 7 wins, though. There's... The second game of the season, they beat a Clipper team um, fully healthy, but didn't have uh, James Harden. Make of that whatever you will. Uh, they've beaten Memphis twice, Portland twice, and New Orleans twice. And in the New Orleans games, only one of those games had Zion Williamson. Um, if you go to some of their lineup data, they are a minus 10 overall on cleaning the glass, which is obviously worse than their minus 8.8 net rating on, uh, on uh, uh, NBA.com. And the telling thing is what happens when Laurie Markkinen is not on the floor. So with when Laurie Markkinen is playing and on the floor for the Jazz, they are minus 3.5, which is still a negative, but it's overcomable, if that's a word. Uh, when he's not on the floor, 
They are a minus 16. And to go to the injury report, Laurie Market is questionable for this game on Wednesday. He sat out Monday's game against the Thunder with a hamstring injury. So that that will give me all the confidence I need if Laurie Markin's not playing. It's not to say that I think this game is over if Markin doesn't play, but the gigantic uphill battle that the Jazz already face, even though the Knicks are also a bit walking wounded with Emmanuel quickly questionable and having missed a game recently, and Mitchell Robinson obviously gone for at least the next eight to ten weeks. Uh, the Jazz are pretty banged up, too. Walker Kessler is questionable with a foot injury. John Collins is questionable with an illness. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is just out. He has a bicep strain that he's going to be out two to four weeks. And obviously, Mark and Mayor may not play. So we'll see which Jazz team shows up. I want to talk about Josh Hart because the last six games since he made those public comments, which apparently is just like the formula for the Knicks, complain publicly and your season will turn around. Because we've seen what Quentin Grimes has been the last two games. Well, Josh Hart, since he went public and said that he is struggling in his new role and he is a bit uncomfortable and he's, he's trying to get into a rhythm. And then after he made those comments and Tibbs said, his, his usage is up. And then we all went to the internet and was like, actually, his usage is down for the year. So it's like factually incorrect. <laughs> but uh, Josh Hart, since the, the last six games, so since he made those comments, uh, has been on fire. He's averaging 12.3 points a game to go along with six rebounds and almost four assists. But then there's the shooting split. So Josh Hart in his last six games, 65.9% from the field, 75% from three, and is an overall plus 6.8 in about 30 minutes a game. Uh, Josh Hart's been amazing over the last uh, six, literally the last two two weeks or so. And um, it's really good to have a really high uh, impact guy like that get a season turned around. He is the leader in Knicks on off again, according to Cleaning the Glass. Um, he's right up there with Emmanuel quickly as far as the differentials are concerned. He's also for the season for a guy that everybody gets frustrated with how hesitant he is shooting the ball. The guy is now up to 40 percent shooting from three. On the season, this 75% from three that he's had over the last six games um, has really turned that around. So I, I would once again say to Josh, keep shooting and get get that usage even higher. We get you up to four or five attempts a game. Maybe uh, uh, those numbers will be even better. So it's a good sign for the Knicks that they have a guy like him that's really turned the season around. Lastly, as far as a Knicks jazz connection is concerned, there's really nothing that stands out that pertains to the current rosters, the current coaching staffs, we could reach and say Alec Burks is a former player for the Jazz and Alec Burks was a fan favorite by a very select few here in New York. Um, shout out Benji Ritholtz. I I guess I fall on that list. Now, John and CP also fall in that category. Uh, former Nick head coach Jeff Hornacek played the majority of maybe even all of his career uh, with the Utah Jazz, went to two finals with the Jazz uh, when he was in Utah. So there's there's those connections if you want to reach. The one I'm going to go back to, and yes, this is a bit of an excuse to talk about how awesome Carmelo Anthony was, and you add in how uh, frustrating some of his teammates could be at times. Uh, let's go back to the 2014-15 season. Now, many of you will remember this is a very miserable season in Knicks history. They won 17 games. Well, some of you just root for the team to lose so we can get high draft picks, um, but I happen to root for my team to win every now and then. Uh, the Knicks uh, started this season 2-1 and one, and then proceeded to go 15-64 uh, and 60, 64 the rest of the season, I believe, is the, the correct math on that. And after that 2-1 and one start, they lost six straight games, 
and in danger of falling to a seventh straight loss, which would have made them two and eight. Carmelo Anthony with the Utah Jazz at MSG just flat out went off. Carmelo Anthony had 46 points in this game. This is November 14th, 2014. Um, in the final seconds, they're down three, 100 to 97. Melo hits a clutch three-pointer to tie the game at 100. His 44th, 45th, and 46th three. Ironically, only his his only three-point attempt of the game as well. So mostly from two, 46 points on 26 shots. Carmelo Anthony had this game. Uh, so down down to their last chance, they they tie the game, and then the Jazz. It's it's a two point two on the clock, and you just one defense, and then you're going to overtime with all the momentum. And then once a Nick, always a Nick. Trey Burke happens. Ingles to Burke. Burke puts it up. It's good. It's good. And the Knicks lose in heartbreaking fashion. What an unbelievable finishes, Jim Capers saying, hold on a minute. They're going to go look at the replay. I don't know if they're doing it to see if if time officially ran out or where he was in the corner. Burke Hardaway's teammate at Michigan. Oh, plenty of time, Mike. Yep, they, no question. No question. Man, oh man, this trip down memory lane is for two reasons. One, because I wanted to talk about how awesome Carmelo Anthony was and how uh, even a 46-point night where he hits the three to tie the game isn't good enough because Trey Burke's going to hit a shot in J.R. Smith's face to win the game. Um, and then just a reminder of where we've come from. I know it's been a very emotional start to the season where the highs have been somewhat high, but the lows have just been deflating and depressing. At times, we watch this team for entertainment and when they've played really good teams they haven't been all that entertaining well as long as they don't screw around they should win this game they they really should win this game so we'll see if they don't screw around and win this game we're gonna take a quick break here from our friends at prize picks and then my conversation with spence checkets of 97.1 espn 700 in utah enjoy What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With basketball season fully underway, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. This is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, take Jalen Brunson over in points or Julius Randle over in rebounds and combine it with two NFL picks like Lamar Jackson over in rushing yards or Zach Wilson over in interceptions. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. Joining me now for another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show with the Knicks headed to 
uh, the West Coast, but they're going to make a stop in the Midwest over in uh, Salt Lake City uh, with the Knicks taking on the Utah Jazz on this four-game road trip. We went and found someone that has a lot to do with the New York Knicks, or at least his family has a lot to do in the New York Knicks and their their history. Uh, returning guest, friend of the pod, um, he's the host of The Drive on 97.1 ESPN 700 in Utah. Um He's also the son of the, the great Dave Checkets. Uh, he is Spence Checkets. Welcome back to the Knicks Film School pregame show, sir. Great to be here, man. I love when the Knicks roll through town. I get to go down there. Last year, I wore my Marcus Camby throwback jersey. You know, so mm. look, I'm, I'm, I'm out here covering the Jazz. I'm out here in Salt Lake, but the New York Knicks will always have a piece of my heart. There's no doubt about that. So I have to ask this just from like a media perspective before we get into this game and talk about it, because you've been in the industry for a while and everybody I talk to the industry, like I'm lucky that the path and the niche that we've carved out, I don't have to give up allegiances. I don't have to say like, I'm not, I'm not a Knicks fan anymore. I might just cover the the sport. Does any of that go away? Like, like teams that you grew up rooting for you, did you try to be as unbiased as possible as your, like, I don't even know. Did you like, are you, are you still somewhat of a Knicks fan, even though you're somewhere out there in Salt Lake City? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I think uh, for somebody like me, where I host a four hour daily talk show and it's not branded as the home of the Knicks or the home of the Jazz. I mean, uh, we're partners with the University of Utah. So we cover their football games. I actually just interviewed Kyle Whittingham, the head coach of the Utah football team. And so you have to take care of your partners in a way, you know. Um, so there's a little bit of, uh, just wanting to be a good partner that seeps in. But for me, I, I take the unaffiliated status very seriously, and I try to just to call balls and strikes. Um, it's different when you're branded as the Knicks film pregame show or the Utah football Ute Zone podcast. Then you're a Knicks fan talking about the team that you love. But for me, hosting a daily show, the, the fan has to die a little bit. But I still, you know, I'll see a highlight pop up on my feed of Stark stunking on the Bulls or you know, Ewing missing a finger roll against the pay. I mean, I could go mm. over and, you know, the 90s Knicks, teams like that, the Yankees of the 90s, um, and even the Jazz a little bit because I was a kid here when my father was with the Jazz. There's still a part of me that wants to see them do well. But when it comes to analyzing who they are, I, I have to throw bias out the window and just call it how I see it, if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. And look, if you want to hear more stories from the 90s Knicks, or I guess read more stories, uh, we're both uh, fans of Chris Herring's book. I believe you sat yeah. down and gave stories for Chris Herring's yeah. book, Blood in the yeah. Garden. Um, and I just like a, a shameless plug that Chris doesn't need, but I'm going to do anyway. Yeah. Uh, I was on a, I had a long train ride on Long Island Railroad the other day and I was mm-hmm. caught up on podcasts. So I put on the audiobook of Blood nice. in the Garden and yeah, I believe yeah. I'm getting a second perspective of it. So highly recommend it if you're looking for something to, uh, to check out during the, the holiday season Here's while you're traveling. Cool. Andrew, here's a little tease for you. Oh, I'm under the, well, I should, I'll just say this. My understanding is that there are talks about a, uh, a documentary series in the works about blood in the garden. Yep. Uh, that's really all I know. Pretty much all I can say. And oh man, if that happens, I might just watch it on a loop for years, you know? It'll be our own niche version of the last dance. That's like right. just for us, you know, yes, like the Yankees yeah. had that, that Derek Jeter one that came yeah, out yeah. a couple of years ago. I guess it was yeah. last year. And look, yeah. 
I'm a Mets fan, so the part I enjoyed the most was watching them retell stories from the 04 collapse against the Red Sox. Sure. But that's yeah, just yeah. that's just me being a hater and full fledged out there, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But regardless, we're here to talk about um, some basketball, and we're here to talk about this matchup between the New York Knicks and the Utah Jazz. Who the last time you were here? We were trying to see if Donovan Mitchell was coming to the Knicks. And obviously that summer went a different direction. I didn't get a chance to talk to anybody from the Jazz last year. So this is going to be somewhat catch up. What's the vibe been in Utah? I know last season seemed from my outside looking in perspective to be a bit of an overachievement. And then this year it's been a bit more of a disappointing start if you had expectations. What's the mood around the team, both from the fan base perspective and from people within the organization that you get the chance to talk to? Yeah, it's a good question because I think um, there are a few different moods and it depends on who you talk to. I, I believe that this is part of the plan. You know, I, I, I think last year they even surprised themselves with how good they were and how much winning they were doing early on. And, you know, if you need any proof, they traded four of Will Hardy's six rotational pieces. And then they started to lose. And, you know, Will's a really good coach. He was winning games when they had Mike Conley and Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt and players like that. They traded all of them and decided to go young, and they lost down the stretch. And this year, they just don't have a lot of grownups in the locker room. And so I, I do think from an organiz- organizational standpoint, they knew that this year was going to be rough. And um, I think they're under the understanding that probably it's going to be rough for a little while because that's the reality when you're going through a rebuild. Uh, from the fan base perspective, I, I sense a lot of disappointment, but I also sense a lot of fans that understand what the reality of building a team in a market like Salt Lake is. And you have to do it through the draft, and therefore you have to have good draft capital. There's a top 10 protected pick that goes to Oklahoma City this year if the, if the Jazz aren't in a, in a certain position. Uh, and so they might want to be motivated to lose to hold on to that pick. They've got a bevy of assets from the Gobert and Mitchell trades. Uh, but as a product that's right in front of us right now, it's bad. It's a bad team. Um, and I, I didn't think they were going to be good, but they're worse than I expected. And, um, you know, they're not healthy right now. So, you know, it depends on who you talk to. I would say the fan base uh, is not enjoying the product in front of their face right now, but they understand that this is going to be a process. And I think the organization is all in lockstep that this is a long game that they're playing and the results in the interim aren't all that important as long as they feel like they're moving in the right direction. So you talk about part of the plan, and I guess my, my curiosity as far as what the plan actually is, like you mentioned, you're with a, a market like Utah, you have to build through the draft. You have to yeah. try just about everything. I have their lineup data pulled up on cleaning the glass, and mm-hmm. it seems like Will Hardy is just, trying everything. They only have three lineups that have a hundred possessions played together so far, which tells me that there's not really a a consistent instability is not the word I'm I'm trying to say, but it's more just like, there's nothing there's, there's no like set five guys that have to play together no matter what, even though there is obviously a starting five. Do you get the the sense that this really is going to be the year that they intended to have last year, but because last year, got off this like they were around 500 and in the play-in race for so long yeah. this is the year they can get more experimental yeah correct correct I, I do think from an organizational standpoint they they were stunned that will was able to win games last year when nobody thought that they were going to and so again you jettison off a lot of the veteran pieces mike conley is still a really good player if you see what he's doing with minnesota and after i think they started 10 and 3 
And Mike gave a post-game interview. He said, well, if you want to lose, you're going to have to trade me. And Ainge was like, all right. You know, so he trades him. Um, yeah, so I do think this year is more in line with what they expected a year ago. But I will say this. I, I know that the organization likes some of the pieces they have. I know they really like Will Hardy. Um, and so I think there are some that thought they'd be a little bit better than what we've seen. Because honestly, they're, they're as bad as any team in the league. They might be as bad as Detroit, San Antonio. They just... You know, they were able to get the Pelicans a couple of times here in Salt Lake. They swept them. And they're also getting their doors blown off some nights. They're just getting smoked. So, yeah, I, I really feel like this was the year they were expecting last season. And I think they're motivated to hold on to their draft capital. And I think they're motivated to add to the young core they have and, and grow this brick by brick. This is not an overnight uh, situation where there's a magic bullet out there. There's This is just going to be a long haul. And that's why they gave Will a five-year guaranteed contract like Danny did with Brad Stevens when he was running the Celtics, uh, when he wanted to rebuild after trading Garnett and Pierce and Jason Terry in that trade with the Nets that gave the Celtics a, a, another generation of great basketball. Danny identified Brad, gave him a five-year guaranteed deal. He did the same thing with Will Hardy. And I think he's trying to follow that model, but it's going to take some time. Well, it's interesting you bring up the the Celtics comp because that rebuild got cut short because of the emergence of Isaiah Thomas. Like him turning into, it's funny to say this now, but an MVP candidate. The guy yeah. did finish fifth in MVP one He's season awesome. when he was with, they were the one seed in that conference, even though it, it was a week, a week Eastern Conference. And I think the, like you're right, they the numbers do show a team that is toward the bottom of the, the league with the Detroits, the San Antonio's, the the Washington's. The difference I think that has stood out, at least from an outsider's perspective, is they seem to have found a guy in Laurie Markinen that mm-hmm. you can build around, that you can consider part of your long-term plan. Now, in the Knicks market, where we're looking for the next guy to come here, there mm-hmm. are some eyeballs that uh, look at what's going on in Utah and wonder if a pivot from marketing is is potentially there, if he's even potentially available, if Danny Ainge wants to double down even further yeah. on the rebuild. So I'll just flat out ask, do you see him as part of the long-term solution in Utah, or do you, you think there could be a chance that he becomes available in the not-too-distant future? So the thing with Danny is he'll, he'll trade anybody, you know, with Danny Ainge, he'll trade anybody. And he said in his introductory press conference, and I've known Danny since I was a kid. Um, so I got a chuckle out of, he said in his introductory press conference, you all should know that I remove emotion from decision-making. Like that was like the first thing he said. And I was just laughing. I'm like, all right, we know he's a killer. So the, the answer is, I think Danny would trade anybody if he felt like it was best for the long-term goal of what they're trying to do. I, I do feel like they consider marketing a part of their future. I think they consider Walker Kessler a part of their future. I think they consider Keontae George a part of their future. Taylor Hendricks, their young players, I know they like an awful lot. Um, and part of me wonders if they're kind of holding Markinen back with this injury just to continue to, to lose. I mean, teams do that. I know fans are like, teams don't tank on purpose. Well, you can't tell coaches and players to tank, but you can hold players out and gently encourage coaches to play young guys. And that leads to a lot of losing. So the short answer is Danny would trade anybody. The long answer is I really feel like they foresee Lowry to be here for a long time. And he's been he's been really good, a lot better than I ever thought he could be in the NBA. So the the injury you're mentioning with Larry Markin, and he's yeah. is a hamstring injury that made him miss uh, last night's game against the Thunder. Mm. So um, I 
just if you want to break some news here, because the Knicks fans that were unaware that they might not have to face Laurie Marketing, do you mm-hmm. think he'll play in this game against the Knicks no, on, honestly, uh, on Wednesday? I honestly don't know. I, I, I was told he made the trip to OKC and went through some pregame testing and then they held him out. Um, I don't know that I wasn't on the trip, but if, if that reporting is correct, it has to indicate that he's close. Yeah. Well, maybe that they're, they're you know back home in Salt Lake uh, tomorrow night against New York. Maybe if he was close against OKC, maybe we'll we will actually see him because they need him so badly. I mean, every team needs their best player. The Jazz really, really need Lowry Market, and they're really offensively challenged when he's not on the floor. The the comp I would make to the Jazz without marketing is just seeing what Memphis is when they don't have Ja. Wow. Now that. I mean, that team's offense, there's just nobody to actually initiate right. stuff. And they got a lot of complimentary pieces. And I, I think Colin Sexton can be an initiator in type of a 2A or a, a 2B or a 3A kind of role. Mm-hmm. But your record's probably not going to be that great if Colin Sexton is one of your main initiators uh, on the offensive end. So look, right. we're we're big fans of Laurie Markin over here, specifically yeah. the shooting and the efficiency um, and when you go through the frustrations of Julius Randle sometime, you wonder sure. what it would be like if you had yeah. someone more consistent on the offensive end. Although I should add, Julius Randle's been outstanding for the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, so with the, the rebuild being what it is in, in Utah, I guess my, my next question is, is the timeline of it all. And like, I, like I, I recognize like with Utah being the market that it is, they've actually been very successful at building through the draft yeah. and like like the Gordon Hayward era and the Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer, Boozer era and the, the Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert era is like, do, do jazz fans? Like, I, I'm, I mean, you, you obviously have a good experience with Knicks fans in the market that we have where there's like a quick immediacy and a demand. Right. Yeah. But what is the patience level like in Utah? Are they are able to sit through a long rebuild and be like, all right, like this organization has earned my trust in that sense. It's a good question. I, I do think there's some built-in trust equity because the organization has operated at a very high level. Like we've never had a championship team here, but we haven't had very many bad teams. You know, and, and the other night when I was watching, you know, it's the 50-year anniversary of Jazz basketball, and last week they celebrated by losing by 50 to Dallas. And as I was watching that game, <clears throat> I texted a few buddies. I said, "This is as bad as anything we've had since Ty Corbin's last year." Um, which was a pivot, you know, from like Al Jefferson, Paul Millsap into a young Hayward, a young favors. I think they won 25, 26 games. Um, but throughout the course of the history of this organization, they've gone from really good team to like a little bit of a pivot to really good team, a little bit of a pivot, really good team. And now we're in another pivot. So while it's, it's not, cha- you know, while it has never been championship level basketball, there are just very few years that have been really bad. You know, they draft Stockton and Malone. That leads to basically 15, 18 years of really, really excellent basketball, two two NBA finals appearances. Parle goes to the Lakers. John retires. There's just a a few years before they draft Darren Williams. Um, They sign Carlos Boozer as a free agent from Cleveland. They sign Memo Okur. Andre Kirilenko was on that team. They go to the Western Conference Finals. And they beat the Rockets, and they actually cost my friend Jeff Van Gundy his job. Jeff always jokes about that, that the Jazz cost him his job, and he never got back in the league as a head coach. And then everything falls apart apart with Darren and Jerry. Uh, Kevin O'Connor trades Darren back uh, to the Nets at the time. And, you know, there's a little bit of a downtime, and then Hayward turns out to be an all-star. That team was pretty fun. 
Hayward bounces. You get like one or two down years. Then Mitchell evolves as an all-star. So does Gobert. Quinn coaches the hell out of him. And that was a good six, seven-year run. And now we're in the next pivot and rebuild. And who knows what the next iteration of jazz basketball will look like, like good jazz basketball. But to your question, I do think the fan base out here trusts this organization. There is new ownership and there's some questions there. It's kind of a different feel with the organization. And that hasn't rubbed everybody the right way. I think we'll see how Ryan builds this thing from the ground up. But I do think most jazz fans understand what's happening and believe that there are good things to come with the group that's running the basketball side. You know what I noticed throughout the the, the history that you just went through with with jazz uh, great players and and their their timeline. Other than Stockton, there's been a portion of with every single player. There's been a time where. Jazz fans have had to watch like Malone on another team, Darren Williams on another team, Boozer, Kirlinko, and now Mitchell and Gobert. Yeah. Like in New York right now, there's a hint of that with watching Obi Toppin in Indiana during the play in, the play in, the in season tournament. Yeah. Um, watching what Cam Reddish has become with the Lakers as part of their, their core and their starting five. And there's a, there's a, an annoyance of like, why didn't that happen here? Or yeah. the frustration of having watched having to watch a player you had an affection for on another team. If you could speak to what that experience is like, and I guess right now specifically what that is like, watching what Gobert and the Timberwolves have become this year and watching the Mitchell saga is is fascinating because every report is like he's not long for Cleveland either. Right. But like watching him last year with that team when they were like building their way to a four seed, how has that been watching, you know, players that you had an affection for not on your team anymore, but be somewhere else and succeed? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's a portion of our fan base that still is confused as to why they decided to trade Gobert and Mitchell who were in their prime. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I think very highly of Quinn Snyder. I got to know him very well when he was out here. He's now coaching the Hawks. And I, I, I feel like that group hit its expiration point as soon as Quinn decided he didn't want to work with the new ownership group. Mm. I honestly believe if Quinn decided he wanted to come back, they would have tried to figure out maybe something around Gobert or Mitchell, or maybe bring Mitchell back, move Gobert, or bring Gobert back and move Mitchell and figure something out with that group if Quinn wanted to be the head coach. But new ownership comes in, Quinn had a few meetings with him, and he's like, this is not, I don't want to work for these guys. I don't know why. Only Quinn will speak to that. And so that's when they decided to break the whole thing down. But there are still fans. And look, I, I know that the narrative around NBA, I hate the word narrative. Everybody uses it now. But I know the word, I, I know the narrative around the NBA is that Danny Ainge fleeced Minnesota in the Gobert trade and fleeced Cleveland in the Mitchell trade. So then the new CBA comes down and you see how valuable draft capital is. So yes, the Jazz did very well because no player is going to get the type of draft capital in return that Gobert got because it's a new league now. But I watched Rudy impact winning here at a high level for seven years, eight years. And I know that players don't like him. I know that people got a kick out of Draymond trying to kill him. But I very much like Rudy. And he's a good guy. And I think he impacts winning. And what the Jazz received in that trade package, they're all intangible assets. We need to see what it turns into. I'm not surprised Minnesota is playing like this. And look, there's some things with Donovan. Like, you know, when I came on the show with you guys, when the summer of Donovan to New York was upon us. At least that's what we thought. I told a lot of people, including Mark Berman, including Frank Isola, like, I love Donovan, but I'm not sure he's the guy that can lead your organization to a championship come spring. 
And there are still a lot of questions about Mitchell and Gobert come playoff time. A lot of people believe Minnesota is a regular season powerhouse because that's what Rudy teams have been. But yeah, it was weird watching Carl wear a Laker jersey. It was weird watching Patrick Ewing wear a Sonic jersey, right? Like th- th- things like that are odd for a fan base. But, you know, when Hayward left, like if, if, if Salt Lake City can't retain, <clears throat> excuse me, the white guy that likes to play video games at night, that is, <laughs> is actually a family man, then we might be in big trouble, right? Like if that dude doesn't want to stay here. So there is a little PTSD from all of these players leaving, which is why a lot of people really love marketing because as of now, at least he's saying the right things. He wants to buy a house here. He wants to live here. He wants to make Utah his home, right? And that means a lot to a fan base <clears throat> that for the past generation, we've seen all of our be- best players leave as soon as they've had the ability to make that choice. So it happens a lot here, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, make, it makes sense that, you know, you it's the smarter move to make and like the asset cupboard that that angels created uh you really can't argue with it uh, i guess it was it's a fascinating perspective to have to watch go and like you're right about gobert like uh, the narrative like you mentioned has become about how much Ainge fleeced uh uh the minnesota in that trade and yet here we are they're the number one team in the west and i mean we'll see what happens come playoff time but yeah. talking to people from denver like they were very privy to what the Wolves could potentially be because of how that first round series went when they were fully healthy and fully back. Hey there, Knicks fans. Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you'll get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You know I like my stats, so I got some stats here for you. Good food is too precious to waste. HelloFresh's pre-proportioned ingredients cut down on your food waste by at least 23% compared to grocery shopping, which is good for your wallet and the planet. And if you're looking for more ways to save this spring, HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% cheaper than takeout. 25%, that's a lot. I love HelloFresh. I love of not only the taste of the meals, but I love the fact that I could have two kids literally hanging off me as I am cooking and I'm still able to follow the recipes and make meals that are exactly as advertised. If you want to experience HelloFresh too, don't hesitate. Go to HelloFresh.com slash free and use code FILMSCHOOLFREE for free breakfast for life. You did not mishear me. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchoolFree and use code FilmSchoolFree for free breakfast for life. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about AG1. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs, such as gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to evaluate your baseline health. Fun fact, I recommended AG1 to all my friends, family, and Mrs. Claudio. We drink AG1 first thing in the morning, to make sure we have the energy needed to take on a busy day. There's no debate. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go 
to drinkag1.com slash film school. That's drink. That's drinkag1.com slash film school. Check it out. Last thing before we get out of here, the summer of Donovan Mitchell that wasn't uh, the summer of Donovan Mitchell to New York. Like we've, we've, we haven't talked about it since. Were you surprised he didn't end up in New York from the intel you were getting? Did you see it trending the other way that like the further and further we get into the summer, the longer, the, the lesser and lesser of a chance it was that he was going to come here? Yeah. Or end I mean, up here, I should say. Yeah. It's like um, the, the way I'll respond to the question is I'm not surprised because I know Danny Ainge and Danny Ainge was going to trade him to where he could get the best package in return. He wasn't going to trade him where he wanted to play. I don't know if there was anything to the whole like the Knicks showed up to watch Dallas and Utah play in the playoffs. And so Danny was mad at the New York front office. I don't know if there's anything there. I just think it was simply like if we're going to trade this young star and it's in in his prime, we have one shot at this. We have to get it right. And I think he I think they liked Cleveland's offer more than they liked anything that the Knicks were willing to put on the table at the time. Excuse me. But but um I guess in this day and age, when star players more often than not get what they want, there's probably a little bit of a surprise that Donovan didn't get what he wanted. But Donovan hasn't earned that. He'll Mm -hmm. he'll become a free agent, and then he can make his choice. That's the way the league is built, and it's with intent. Um, I do. I've always found it a little bit odd that these are the greatest people on earth at what they do, and they're told where they have to do that. But there's an ecosystem. Excuse me. Excuse me. There's an ecosystem. <coughs> Woo! I've already done an hour and a half of radio so far today. Ah, so okay. You're good. There, there's an ecosystem that is set up intentionally in a way where, as a player, you do earn the right at some point to decide where you want to play, but you have to put in your time. And we're coming up on that moment for Donovan when he will be able to choose where he wants to play. And my guess is he does want to play in New York. Now, does he fit next to Jalen? Do the Knicks want him there? Like, there are a lot of other questions. Like, I don't know. I said this at the time. Like, yes, Donovan might want to play New York, but how badly does New York want Donovan? Because he's going to be a max money guy somewhere. And I really like Jalen. I think Jalen's been amazing. And I watched him up close in Dallas. And I don't know that he and Mitchell are great next to each other. So, yeah, I, I guess I wasn't surprised that he landed in Cleveland just because of the Ainge angle. And I still think he wants New York. Another storyline with this like donovan grew up in greenwich right i grew up in new canaan if he's from new york i'm from new york okay like this whole like oh he's going back to new york like come on man you know um, there's the there's the mets part of it because his dad works for, for right, the mets and he grew right, up a mets fan right. that I, I think I, a lot I, of people are holding on to you sure, know and I, and I know the family they're great people and he's a great kid you if he lands in new york you will like him um, I just don't know that he's the guy that's going to take any team to a championship because I saw it time after time come playoff time where, you know, it gets a little hero ball-y. It gets a little Westbrook-ish and, you know, be, be a better teammate. But he, he's a great kid. Um, and if he lands in New York, you guys you guys will love him. So we'll see how it plays out. Well, I'll say this. You're right about the the affection we already have for Jalen Brunson and the right. questions about whether that a pair like that would be something you want to invest in long term. There's a strong belief within our small Knicks film school community that he does end up in New York. But it's the other New York team that has oh, all these assets, and yeah. um, could potentially or they're 
they're missing a superstar. They actually yeah. have the perfect roster of complimentary pieces yeah. that could probably use a superstar. So if he's you know, okay I'll, with going I'll, to Brooklyn. This. Uh, and I don't know if there's anything here, but this came from uh, a source that more often than not is correct and knows Donovan. He believes Donovan wants Los Angeles. He thinks he's going to go try to be a Clipper or a Laker when, when LeBron's done. So I, I don't know if there's anything there, but this it, it didn't come from nobody. I'll just I'll just put it that way. Interesting. Breaking yeah. news here on Nick's Film School. Um, well, well, Spence, thank you so much for giving me your time today. I really appreciate it, especially since you've already worked today. And uh, obviously with the time difference, this is a different time of day for okay, what that you're giving me. Um, before you get out of here, plug what you'd like to plug. Tell all the fine folks at home where they could find you. Yeah, I'm, I'm on X or Twitter or whatever Elon's calling it these days. My <laughs> handle is right there. Just my name at Spence Checkets. I host a daily four-hour show on the ESPN affiliate in Salt Lake. And we talk a lot of NBA, a lot of NFL, a lot of college football. It's on two to six uh, local time and we're available wherever you get podcasts like everybody else these days. So it's just called The Drive with Spence Jackets and it's every day, two to six. It's a really fun, phenomenal way to make a living. And I continue to fool people. I've been doing it for 20 years. So I've been enjoying it. Awesome. Thank you, Spence. You got it, Andrew. Thanks, man. Once again, a big thank you to Spence Checkets for coming on today's show. You know what to do. The KFS bump, the link to his show, The Drive with Spence Checkets, is available in the episode description. Five stars. Give him a review. Say you loved him. Say you loved uh, the 90s, Nick's, if you'd like to, and all the history that he's a part of. So uh, once again, thank you, Spence, for, for making time for me today. Uh, the Knicks take on the Utah Jazz tonight at 9 p.m., uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I should mention, I will be hosting the post game tonight along with my good friend and partner, Mensa. So, me and Mensa will be uh, taking the first leg of this West Coast trip or this Western Conference trip on the post game. So, join us for that live if you'd like to. As far as this podcast is concerned, it'll do it for me. If you dig it, head over to iTunes, drop a five star rating and a review. I will be back Friday morning with a new episode to preview the Knicks matchup on the road against the Suns. But until then, thank you for listening. Join me for the postgame tonight. Enjoy the game beforehand, and I'll speak with you soon. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.